Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Keezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast studio in Schenectady, New York. We have another great show for you. I'll speak with Albany Athletics head coach Joe Altieri about his team's 41-game winning streak in the Albany Twilight League that was snapped last week. Well, week one of the Saratoga horse racing season is in the books, and week two starts Wednesday. To give us a lowdown on what's happening at Saratoga is the Capital Region's premier horse racing writer, the Gazette's Mike McAdam. Mike, uh, welcome back for your weekly segment. How are things going? Very good. Uh, I got a couple days off, sort of, um, and my family's staying on Canandaigua Lake all week, so I snuck out of uh, the press box on Sunday night and drove straight to uh, Canandaigua and enjoying the beautiful weather today on Tuesday for sure. Uh, we got a little bit, a little bit of rain yesterday, but it, it held off long enough for me to swing up to Finger Lakes Racetrack, uh, 20 minutes <laughs> north of here. And coincidentally, I gotta say, um, I was just gonna go up there and bet a couple races for the fun of it. And it turns out that yesterday was New York Derby Day, uh, at Finger Lakes, which is by far the biggest, uh, racing day of the whole calendar year for them. It's a $150,000 mile and a 16th, um, uh, middle leg of what they used to call the Big Apple Triple. Um, they, they used they had a sponsor who offered a quarter of a million dollars to any horse that could sweep the uh, Mike Lee at Belmont Park, the New York Derby at Finger Lakes, and the Albany at Saratoga. And one horse named Tim, Tin Cup Chalice actually did it a long time ago. And then they dropped the series, but it still remains a big race for th- New York bred three-year-olds. And in fact, um, I was very, very fortunate to be there yesterday. Um, there were there was a horse from Chad Brown named Aggregation. There was a horse from Todd Pletcher. Um, and then the, ultimately the winner was a horse named Barice, trained by um, Mike Maker. And I don't know what his plans are with this horse yet, but I'm sure we're going to see him at Saratoga, probably in the Albany. But um, they really had high regard for this horse early in the year. He finished fifth to Mo Donegal in the Wood Memorial in April. I was actually down there for that, which tells you that, you know, they might have had Kentucky Derby dreams with this horse. And um, most recently, before yesterday, he finished fourth in the Ohio Derby at Thistledown in Cleveland. So they still think pretty highly of this horse. Who knows? I don't know if they yesterday was enough to catapult him into the Travers, but certainly they have to be looking at the Albany with this horse. So it was kind of, it was amazing because Finger Lakes, you know, you see John Velasquez rode Pletcher's horse yesterday. Manny Franco came in to, to ride uh, Chad Brown's horse, and then Ricardo Santana was on the winner, Baris. And it's just amazing to see these guys, like, walking up the tunnel into the paddock. You never see, you know, um, for Saratoga people, the jocks, most of them are just no-names. All of a sudden, you got a Hall of Famer, and you got Manny Franco, who won the, the Belmont and the Travers two years ago on Tis the Law, and these guys are walking in there to ride. Sort of like if, um, like, the Yankees and the Red Sox came in to, uh, to play a game at Frontier Field in Rochester 
Rochester, you know, home of the Rochester Red Wings, very similar to that. And these guys are very recognizable to a, you know, pretty cool big size crowd for Pringle Lakes yesterday. So it was just an amazing coincidence that I was here for that and got to see a horse that uh, I firmly believe we're going to see at Saratoga eventually. So that's what I did. That's what I, that's what I did on my day off yesterday. You can't get away from the horse racing, can you? No, but I'm, I, I'm telling you, it was an amazing coincidence this race was going on. I mean, otherwise I would have just shown up for the early double and just bet a couple races and gotten out of there. But I kind of adjusted my plans and, and showed up a little later. The race was at 419. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll watch this. Sure, no problem. That's really cool. It's unusual for tracks to have Monday horse racing. Usually a dark day, so it's kind of... Yeah, and I think I think what Finger Lakes does is... And their schedule is a little different. They, they run, like... Um, I don't know what the... I think they only run three days a week. So it's like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And the thinking there is... They don't want to try to compete with Saratoga and the bigger tracks, so they run on the dark days to try to get betting handled that way. And then, you know, the New York Derby, this is their showcase thing for the whole calendar, so they don't want to try to run it on, like, a Saturday when Saratoga's got the all of this hogging, all of the spotlight. So yeah. I really get it that they run it on a Monday, and I just, I just like, it fell into my lap by coincidence. I was like, "Yep, I'll go over there. Sure, absolutely." <laughs> well, you mentioned let's, let's let's look back at the, the first week of uh, Saratoga, and you mentioned sure. Chad Brown. Uh, just an unbelievable performance uh, by his horses in the Grade One uh, Diana on Saturday, uh, finishing one, two, three, and four. There were six horses in the race, so I mean, you know Chad Brown's probably going to at least get one or two in the top three. Uh, and Italian in. Sets a course record, and I mean, I think it was how stunning was that? I mean, I'm, maybe not Chad Brown horses going one, two, three, four, but Italian. You know, I don't think he's probably was probably the horse that nobody thought would of the, that those four Chad Brown horses that would win. He is a really good horse, uh, or she's a very good horse um, in Italian. Um, the course record wasn't really as big of a surprise as the one, two, three, four, which wasn't really that big of a surprise either. He had four of the six horses in there. They're all very good. And in Italian, um, I mean, you have to call it an upset just because she went off at eight to one and the other two went off, uh, Rougier and, um, technical analysis went off at like three to one. And then Bleecker Street was undefeated in seven career starts. She was the favorite at, uh, whatever the heck it was, um. I had it in front of me. I can tell you in a second. I think she was like four to five or even money. Yeah, she was four to five on the noggin, um, and rightfully a, a you know a firm, clear betting favorite. So in Italian went off at eight point three zero. So she was like um, the longest shot on the on the board among the four Chad Browns. But she is a really good horse. The course record is is kind of interesting, but you know they don't run a lot of mile and an eighth races on that turf course so it, not coincidentally the record she broke was also set in the diana like six years ago or so six or seven years ago um but the one two three four is just a demonstration of what a powerhouse chad has in the division which is the older fillies and mares on the turf um not even in the races the best of best horse in that division in his barn which is regal glory who's actually pointing to to run against um uh males in the grade one four star dave at a mile and as chad said after the race you know yeah we do have a very deep division here and we want 
want to settle who's best on the track. So he's not afraid. You know, a lot of trainers, they, and rightfully, they try to keep horses in the same division separated. You know, we'll see that this coming weekend when Chad's got Jack Christopher running in the Haskell, and then he's got early voting and um, uh, Zandon in, in the Jim Dandy. So you don't want to pile all three of those horses in the same race if you don't have to. But, you know, in the, in the Philly and Mare Older uh, Turf Division, there's not a lot of choices, especially with Arlington Park closed down, which, you know, had a bunch of really good turf races, and Chad would send horses there during the Saratoga meet. Um, so the one, two, three, four is amazing. I know he... He did um, uh, Chad's effect a couple years ago, getting one, two, three in this race. And again, he dominates it in numbers and quality. So, you know, it's not a huge surprise. I know a few years ago, Linda Rice um, went one, two, three, four in a turf sprint, which she has a lot of horses in her barn that, that point toward those races. And that was, uh, you know, a really unusual occurrence at the time. Um, but the amazing thing is... Um, like, where does he go with all these horses? You know, he's got to kind of rejigger, like, what he saw out of this race and where you're going to go with each one. But, you know, a really nice win for an Italian who, you know, was overshadowed by some of the other fillies and mares in her division in his barn, but not not last Saturday. She, and she ran great. She, she's a front runner. She got out to the front under Joel Rosario and just kept going. So, uh, tremendous performance by her. Yeah, and I miss Nate Norris. I said Italian in at the start, but it's in Italian, so that's my bad. <laughs> There's got to be an Italian in somewhere, and I'm sure they make <laughs> tremendous pasta, but, uh, yeah, it's the other way around, in yeah. Italian. Well, the first four days of the uh, meet uh, was unbelievable. Uh, Naira's got to be thrilled with the uh, early stats with handle and attendance up. Yeah, um they sure are, um, and I had it up on my screen here, and then I called something else, and I didn't, I couldn't. I don't have it right in front of me, but I do know that um, the paid admission was up 10% from the same corresponding four-day stretch. And one thing I, I should have looked up and I didn't was I don't know what the weather was like last year. So, and that's always a factor um, for the for the attendance for sure. Um, you know, they had 28,000 plus on opening day, which was a good number, which is very similar to last year. The only reason I remember last year's opening day attendance is because I made this idiotic, bold prediction that they were going to get 40,000 on opening day. Um, you know, the first day uh, where fans were allowed back on the track after the pandemic. And of course I, you know, I was wildly off base on that one. That's why they call it gambling, I guess. Um, so that, I remember that. So the, the the difference was negligible in attendance, and um, the handle on opening day was negligible too. But then um, Saratoga really cranked it up the next three days, um, and it, it, you know all sources handle was up eighteen percent. I mean that's astronomical, um, and on track handle was up eighteen point five percent. Um, again, I don't have the raw numbers in front of me, but um, yeah, they were thrilled. Um, you know, I think they generally put a press release out on Sunday night to kind of comparative, do the year-to-year -year comparison kind of thing. But uh, they, they were only too happy to put this one out. And, uh, you know, I got a text alert that they were saying that, that. So they were very eager to let people know that their numbers were up big. That's unbelievable. Of course, if you were playing the prices right, then uh, the price right rules were in effect. You would have been way over and not won the showcase. <laughs> Yeah, they would have kicked me out of the whole studio. They wouldn't have, forget about go back to your seat. I would have, they would have opened the door and just kicked me, kicked me right out of there for being so off base. But that's fine. 
Well, let's. Uh, you mentioned the weather as we get set for week two, and the Wednesday forecasts are talking really hot, muggy weather. Is, is that something Nair has got to be concerned about heading into the start of week two? It, it is. Just, they always have to. I mean, they're. Glenn Kozak does a wonderful job. He's a director of facilities over there. He's always got one eye peeled on the National Weather Service because he has to. I mean, it's a huge part of his job, not just predicting rain, but, you know, they keep an eye on heat index. I haven't looked at the prediction for Wednesday myself yet, but I know it's going to be a hot one. Um, I don't know the exact rule, but there is a heat index threshold that if they hit it, they, they will shut it down for the safety of the horses and by extension, the safety of the jockeys too. Um, so, and again, I don't know what that raw number is off the top of my head, but they will be monitoring that. Um, generally, if they know it's got, and I think there was one day they did this last year, if they or maybe it was a pandemic year where they know ahead of time far enough in advance that it looks like it's just going to be blistering crazy heat index. They'll announce, they'll try to announce the day before. Um, sometimes you don't know until you might not find out until like 10 o'clock, 11 in the morning that day of the races, um, as it kind of happened before, but they try to stay ahead of this stuff. You know, people are making plans. Um, you know, it can be dangerous and, uh, um, so we'll see how it goes. I don't, I'm not anticipating that they're gonna, they would announce on Tuesday that anything's going on with Wednesday's car, but I know they, they have to keep an eagle eye on that all the time. Well, for the look, obvious reasons. Yeah, obviously. Uh, let's look ahead to the weekend. I mean, the Phillies and Mary's gonna hold the spotlight in a big way, and it's starting uh, with the, uh, big matchup between Secret Oath and Nest. Uh, the best two, three, uh, best, uh, three year, two of the best three year old Phillies. In the country, they're going to go into Coaching Club America Oaks on Saturday. Yeah, and um, the, the funny thing is, when you look at the past performances, usually like the last race um, for any of the horse that's entered in, in there is um, like something that you would expect to see um, from their division because generally they try to stick, you know, the three-year-old Phillies, there's a program, a regular program of good races that the good ones are trying to hit. So the last one you look at would be something that falls in that schedule. Nest, secret off, nope, throw it out. Last race for Nest was uh, second place to Mo Donegal in the Belmont Stakes. And Secret Oath's last race was a fourth to uh, early voting in the Preakness Stakes, which, of course, are both triple crown races. And to see Phillies in those those races is unusual to begin with. But then to see two of them in two separate legs of it this year, I, I don't know the last time that has ever happened. If uh, You should probably have to go back to the 1800s to see something like that, to see two different Phillies running against the males in two separate legs of the triple crown. So that said, these two are going to, but heads on Saturday and uh, really looking forward to that. Um, Coaching Club American Oaks, like any three-year-old filly that's pointing to races like that, will ultimately um, wind up probably in the Alabama later in the meet, too, which is probably the third biggest race of the meet after the uh, Travers and the Whitney um, as far as interest level goes. Um, so really looking, these two have never, um, I take it back, they ran in the Kentucky Oaks, and ran um, one, two. Secret Oath finished uh, two lengths ahead of Nest in the Kentucky Oaks, which of course is like the biggest three-year-old Philly race of the year, and it's run on the Friday, the day before the Kentucky Derby. So this is a true rematch. They both got out of their division in their the subsequent start after the Kentucky Oaks and ran 
very well in, you know, the, the, respectively the uh, Preakness and the Belmont. So really looking for and And as an added twist, Secret Oath is trained by D. Wayne Lucas, who was the mentor of Nest Trainer, also a Hall of Famer now, Todd Pletcher. So you've got, like, the... The master against the student going. <laughs> not, not that Todd Pletcher is a student anymore. He's been doing this for. He's been a head trainer for twenty six years. He's in the Hall of Fame, as I already mentioned. But um, he used he worked for Wayne, and that was really kind of the springboard for Todd Pletcher's career was being an assistant to D Wayne Lucas. Now they're going at each other in this huge race, and of course Wayne is eighty seven years old. Just to see him bringing a string to Saratoga is great, but to, to see him bringing Secret Oath is just wonderful, Philly makes it 10 times better. And on Sunday, we uh, see a rematch of most of the uh, best uh, older dirt females in the country in uh, the Shuvi. Yeah, um, and this and, and correspondingly, you know, you go Coaching Club American Oaks to the Alabama if you're three-year-old Philly. Um, at Saratoga, you go Shuvi to the personal Lenson on Travers Day later in the meet. And um, we're privileged to have an assemblage of horses who... Um, most of whom butted heads in the um, Yogden Phipps grade one race on Belmont Stakes Day, um, uh, led by horses like Clarier, trained by Steve Asmussen, and um, and uh, Malathot, trained by Pletcher. Uh, Malathot, as, as Saratoga fans will recall, went through the Coaching Club American Oaks Alabama cycle last year, got her first career defeat in the Coaching Club American Oaks, then came back and asserted her sister um, standing in the division by winning the Alabama, ultimately won the three-year-old Philly Eclipse Award. Um, now she comes back to Saratoga, and she's going against Clarier, who won that um, uh, that Ogden Phipps back on Belmont Stakes Day. Um, Bonnie South is supposed to come back in this race, too. She finished like fourth or fifth in the um, uh, Ogden Phipps. And uh, search results, I believe, is supposed to be in there. Who ran a really good race in the Ogden Phipps for Chad Brown before she kind of faded to third. Um, so I, I kind of wasn't really expecting to see this bunch of horses going at it again until the personal Lenson. Um, but I guess they're they're not waiting. They're they're going to be in the Shuvi, and I'm really looking forward to uh, that on Sunday. Absolutely. Yeah. Now you mentioned about Jack Christopher with Chad Brown's horse is going to race in the Haskell. Uh, how big is that race for uh, he's undefeated going into this race? Um, Jack Christopher in, in the NTRA voting poll, national poll um, used to have separate ones. On, you know, the week after the Belmont, they stopped doing the three-year-old one. But at the last one they did, I voted for Jack Christopher, number one three-year-old in the country, despite the fact that he did not run in any of the um, triple crown legs. Um, now he will get a distance test in the Haskell, um, going a mile and an eighth for the first time in a million dollar grade one race. And Chad Brown said before the meet that he's trying to get all three of these, Zandon and uh, early voting the Preakness winner, are going to be running in the uh, Jim Dandy and Trey. He was trying to get all three of these guys into the Travers, which would be amazing. Um, early voting, he was on the fence between the Haskell and the Jim Dandy, and and it would have ultimately boiled down to, and, and early voting has been training down at Belmont Park, and then he worked on Saturday at Belmont, and the next day, uh, this past Sunday, shipped up here for the Jim Dandy. And uh, Chad and the owner, Chef Klarman, decided... Um, because early voting and uh, Jack Christopher have similar running styles, 
which is on the lead up toward the lead, you know, up front. He, he didn't want the, those two horses running against each other because just because of the same running style. He knew he was going to have to run two of these against each other, whether it was a Jim Danny, the Haskell, and decided just the fact that he, he doesn't want to hurt Jack Christopher's chances by having a really, really good horse who also runs in a similar way running against him. So now the, the puzzle will be to see what early voting and Zandon do against each other. Zandon's more of an off-the-pace um, runner uh, who... Uh, who dueled with Epicenter in the um, in the Kentucky Derby, and they both got caught by Rich Strike, the eighty to one bomb, who came up on the inside and, and picked up the pieces after Epicenter and Zandon dueled. So, so we'll have Zandon and uh, early voting in the Jim Danny, which is the weekend follow. <coughs> excuse me, following this Saturday's um, uh, Haskell, where Jack Christopher will be a big favorite. Well, Mike, appreciate a few minutes, and uh, good luck this week. Have some fun, and uh, we'll do this again next week. I will. Thanks for having me, Ken. Get some tickets out there, everybody. That's Mike McAdam coming up. Albany Athletics coach Joe Altieri talks about the end of his baseball team's remarkable 41-game Albany Twilight winning streak. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. track is your premier source of horse racing news and events from the daily newspaper of the saratoga race course the daily gazette at the track features racing tips feature stories picks by naira racing analyst anthony stabile and andy serling and direct links to naira bets check out at the track at www.dailygazette.com slash at the track hi i'm tom and head coach of the albany empire you're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. They say streaks are made to be broken. The Albany Athletics baseball team came close to proving that adage wrong. They won 40 straight Albany Twilight League games before the streak was snapped last Monday and a 5 nothing loss to the Albany Thunder. To talk about the A's remarkable run is their head coach Joe Altieri. Joe, uh, welcome to the podcast. How are things? Hey, Ken. Great. Anytime uh, I'm on the show, I know we've done something big, so it's an honor to be here, and we're, we're appreciative of that, so well, thank you. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I know last year I covered you guys winning uh, the league title, becoming the first team ever to go through a season undefeated. Uh, what was the pressure like going into this season to keep that streak going? Yeah, you know, it's hard to follow up a 23-0 and season, you know, regular season, and then go into the playoffs and win five more games and um, really do something that's never been done before. But, um, you know, we, we always seem to have a nice foundation of players that return. Uh, you don't have uh, – Everyone has turnover, but um, you want to have retention of key players and kind of cornerstones of your team and uh, build around it. And um, yeah, there was—I would say there, there was a quite a bit of pressure to, to play up to what we did um, last year. But uh, obviously, the team stepped up and is playing good ball so far this year. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, everybody's gunning for you, and they're, they're going to try to bring your, their best game against you. Uh, to be able to you know continue that streak for a good portion of the season. I mean, how much fun was that to keep keep you know, going after it? Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, we we when we started the season, 
we didn't set out to go undefeated again. Um, you set out to have a great year, win the win the league, no matter what it takes to get the number one seed. Try to win twenty twenty two games out of the twenty four. Um, but then, you know, as you know, with streaks, as they start to build. Um, you get this little thought in your head that, hey, maybe this could turn into something special. And, uh, you know, by the time we were at, like, eight or nine uh, this year, guys, a lot of guys on the team were starting to pay attention. And um, we had to start kind of adding up the numbers from 23 wins last year. We won one in 2019, which was the year before COVID. And we, we won the final game of the regular season. So we carried that over. And before you know it, we're tallying up these numbers. And, uh uh, 41 games later, we have this this record that uh, I, I never thought would get that far. So it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, when you lost that game last Monday, what was the mood like? <laughs> it's hard to explain, but it's um, I think there was there was obviously a lot of disappointment that we lost the game, and um, you know, we didn't lose it in the bottom of the seventh um, on a walk off or anything like that. So it's not as uh, painful when you lose like that. Uh, we didn't produce on offense that night. Uh, we had a pitcher that went into the fifth inning and was throwing real well and just uh, uh, fell apart a little bit. Um, our, our bullpen fell apart a little bit, but um, we were we were you know we we're trying to play good baseball and, and you know it, it was tough to overcome that uh, a couple of those those things there. And you know before you know it, at the end of the game we're talking about. Um, uh, the streak being over, and it's time to move on. It's time to prepare for the playoffs, prepare for the end of the season, turn the page, and start to focus on the next game now that we don't have to worry about this this winning streak so much. Now you're starting a new winning streak, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Last night we started, actually. We did lose. Uh, we not only lost last week, uh, our first one, but we lost another one a couple nights later. So it was, uh, you know, for a few days it was not a great feeling to, to have a couple losses on your belt in a short period of time. Then we had to wait three days to play again uh, Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, to lose two straight, I mean, that, that's unheard of for you guys. I mean, how, how did they, I mean, obviously, how do you handle that situation? Like, wait a minute, we lost two in a row? How, how did that happen? Yeah, those are talks uh, after a game that there's there's not a lot to say. Um, you know, it was another it was a game that was very similar to the loss that we had when it, they broke the streak. We um we we had an early one nothing lead, but that was really it. We lost five to one and couldn't produce many runs late in the game or many base runners off the pitching of the Capital City team that we faced. And um, you know, pitching again uh, went deep into the game, throwing well, but we couldn't uh, hold hold the, the other team down. So you know, it, it it's uh, sometimes you you get a little bit of luck and a lot of things play into the. To what you're doing, and you get lucky, and you have some success before you know it. Yeah. Now, you guys, um, you know, your playoffs are coming up in a couple of weeks here. I mean, uh, what's it going to be looking like for the postseason for you guys? Well, right now we're in control of where we want to be, Ken. We're we're in the top spot, and we have two wins to go to lock up the number one seed. And again, we're we've been fortunate enough, I think, since like 2008 or nine, where we've uh, been the number one seed uh, since that time. So uh, we, we've had a nice run of getting in position for the playoffs where we want to be. Um, we do have some tough games. Uh, 
coming up on the weekend again where we play, we face a team that's fighting for the fourth spot and then we face the team on Monday that we're playing uh, that we, we, we lost to uh, last Wednesday so we have to get some things in order this week we have a couple games tomorrow and uh, Wednesday and uh, we can take care of business and set ourselves up for the playoffs uh, which which start late next week yeah. um, talk about some of the you know, guys who have been doing doing well for you this year yeah, it's been it's been a great mix of uh, of uh, players contributing, and um, you know, as I said earlier, we had a, a nice foundation of players, uh, guys like Nate Novak and uh, Greg Souls, Chris Salamita, um, Craig Mastriani, Tim Carroll, uh, Nick Hansen, uh, guys who've been around uh, a number of years here, uh, even a few the last few years, uh, kind of have that foundation for the team and then we we brought in some young guys this year we're fortunate enough to to keep them around a lot of times young players especially in college and and seniors in high school prospects uh get pushed and pulled in different directions with college leagues and other leagues and you don't know you aren't always able to hold on to them and uh we we have a real nice group of three three high school kids kyle decress uh uh, derek duval and um uh just uh, uh, Aviv Drucker is another kid from Albany Academy. Three kids that are contributing to the team. And then um, uh, about five or six college players that came in, two players from Hudson Valley, Jaden Ross and Mike Talavera, uh, outstanding players for us. They've been in, in the top five or six slots in the lineup. So they made an impact right away. And, uh, of course, everything starts with pitching. Uh, returning guys, Chris Salamita, Joe Pogratowski, uh, uh, Brian Carr, of kind of uh, uh, they've been the, the anchors, um, and we've had guys like Derek Duval and DePress uh, supplement uh, uh, that great pitching that we have up front. So it's been a nice combination of players uh, from start to finish. Well, Joe, I do appreciate a few minutes. Uh, good luck the rest of the way here. Maybe another championships uh, coming your way. We hope so, Ken. And again, it's it's an honor to be on. We know uh, we're doing something big if we're on your show. And thanks for having me tonight. All right, thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. I'll be back to wrap up the podcast and have the latest winners in the Daily Gazette's auto racing contest in just a moment. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. Hey, Saratoga Horse Racing fans. You have a chance to win a $50 gift card to a Daily Gazette advertiser by playing the Gazette Saratoga Pick 7. Here's what you do. Pick your horses to score the most points in the first seven races at Saratoga Racecourse and win the $50 gift card. To play, go to www.dailygazette.com pick7 and make your picks 15 minutes before post time the day of the race. The Saratoga Pick 7 contest is run by the Daily Gazette Advertising Department and not affiliated with the Daily Gazette Sports Department. Hi, I'm Union Hockey alum Brent Ozerowski. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast. The Week 20 winner in the Daily Gazette's auto racing contest was Donald Cropsey of Schenectady. Donald wins a $50 ShopRite gift card. Congratulations, Donald. The VIP winner was Dwayne Leach of All Seasons Equipment. I'll announce the winner of the Daily Gazette Auto Racing Contest, and that winner's name will appear in Friday's Daily Gazette. Keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on the coronavirus pandemic. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic. We appreciate the job you're doing in this difficult time. 
If you have not gotten vaccinated, please do so. Do it for yourself. Do it for your family. And do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I want to thank Mike McAdam and Joe Altieri for coming on the show. I'll have another podcast coming out Thursday as we get you ready for the second half of the Major League Baseball season. I'll talk the Yankees with Chrissy Ackert of the New York Daily News and the Mets with Tim Healy of Newsday. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter at Slapshots. The views expressed in the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.